you are unpacking what information the sensors were able to glean. Three of the platforms in the swarm, they're each sort of equidistant around the star, started to emit substantial amounts of tetrion. And then the mass of the star began to diminish. The star changing mass so suddenly meant that some of the orbiting platforms started to lose their normal orbit. The platforms that were emitting the tetrions are still emitting the tetrions, although the, the levels of tetrions have reduced to a little more of a background for the moment. Do we have an answer from Echo as to what's creating the tetrions, or have we received the schematics on the platforms that uh, Mosafar was going to request? Design schematics or what they have on the platforms in order to be able to fix them. Chancellor Echo has sent you an information packet. Each platform is unique, even if they have common technology to a certain degree. Many of them are not really explored, because it turns out there's a bunch of them, and some of them are not very friendly, it seems. Uh, environmentally, I mean. You have some information on times that some of the inhabited ones have been repaired, whether it was a matter of their energy collection systems going out and thus causing power outages or atmosphere leaking or something like that. They only have minimal station keeping thrusters or anything, so there's only so much that they can do to maintain their own orbit if something substantially destabilizes their orbit. Captain Kai begins where we can see at this point uh, she's definitely broken protocol a little bit and has taken off the food stain jacket and just has like hanging on the back of her chair even though her skirt's still messy and stuff. I think we need to go investigate one of these platforms emitting these tetrions ourselves. It may not be a device native to the platforms. It might have been sabotage or it could be uh, something unique to those specific platforms if all of the designs are different. What do you know about each of these platforms? Well, Captain, from our, our cursory scans, uh, two of the platforms completely lack an atmosphere, and one of them I wouldn't recommend for an away mission because it sustained significant amounts of damage from some event in its past. However, the third does show an M-class environment. Quite a bit of water, but there's at least oxygen down there. Let's take a look at that one first, and then we'll decide whether or not it's worth tackling the other two. As far as we know, is this Tetrion buildup, is this a recent event, or has this happened before? Sensors did not pick it up when you arrived, and Chancellor Echo says they don't have records of such a thing. Now, uh, Echo did make mention of they've, they've lost platforms before, but it doesn't sound like it's a common thing. Yeah, not not frequent. Usually as a result of some significant incident, such as like when they were having a war or whatever. Well, let's go find out and see what's causing this trouble. Okay, the M-Class platform. You could get close enough to beam to it, there's, you know, some danger that if the Tetrion emissions substantially intensify, the transporter might have trouble locking onto you, but currently they're not at that level. 
Uh, you do, of course, have shuttles as well. You probably even have an aqua shuttle, because that's a thing that I like the idea of that only appeared in the animated series. I'm also quite enamored with the idea of an aqua shuttle. Okay, we haven't decided on what we're naming our shuttles yet. We talked about famous chefs, but then we didn't. Neither famous of us looked chefs. looked up any any famous chefs. Let's take the Bobby Flay and head down. <laughs> <laughs> I'm good. Sorry, that's my one. I'm out. <laughs> no, you're owning that that now. Yep, <laughs> that yeah. shuttle is yours. No, <laughs> oh, damn it! I should said Guy Fieri. I'm so mad. <laughs> <laughs> See, now you just have the uh, a good reason to blow up the Bobby Flay so you can get the Guy Fury. That's a good point. If we're going to take the shuttle, I-, I could use pilot. Which, I guess, is to say I'm, I'm volunteering to go down. I mean... Well, I think you need a bath anyway, Kai. <laughs> I-, I feel called out. That, that hurts. How comfortable do you feel piloting a shuttle, Mozabar? Uh, reasonably well. Okay, then I'm going to put you in charge of this away mission. Excellent. Take Lieutenant Kai, and Everly's doing a bang-up job, so why don't you take her as well? Yes! I'm going to stay on the ship. Uh, very well. Um, could I also request another pair of hands from engineering? I, I don't want to call Commander Nadon away from her, her engines. I mean... Probably either her or myself should be aboard at any given time, but could use somebody with a bit more technical expertise. Uh, who did you want to take? I I don't know, Nicole. What maybe what that was that supporting character's name going to be? I feel like we really don't have enough humans on this ship, unless Ensign Lee was. I think we determined that he was, but like he's. He's Helm. He may or may not have engineering skills. Uh, oh, so we should probably mention, for the sake of everybody who hasn't seen the system before, we are invoking supporting characters. So in Star Trek Adventures, one of the stats your ship has is your crew support. Crew support is a number which allows you to have uh, NPC crew members enter the adventure in a more like significant mechanical way a certain number of times over the course of a mission. This allows you to like actually acknowledge all these characters who definitely are on your starship, but may not be player characters. And uh, in this case, Nicole is, it sounds like, going to be using a, a supporting crew member as the character she will be playing on this away mission, while the captain stays on the ship, which you know maybe makes more plot and character sense. I just figured there was so much threat on the board, I didn't want to leave the ship unmanned. But I, I really could use a second pair of hands. All right, uh, let's think of who this character is and what their name is and stuff then. Uh, any suggestions? Their name could be... Hughes, Simmons, Crawford, uh, Flores. I'm just looking at a name generator. Carter. How about Madison Locke? Okay. I like it. Are, are they like an ensign? A lieutenant? What, what are we looking at here? N- non-com? 
I'm going to make it a fellow ensign so you can have a rivalry uh, with Everly. I only do friendships, no rivalry. We'll see about that when Nicole's done. Uh, Madison is a male human. And per the supporting character rules, since this is the first time we've seen Ensign Luck, you just get a, a set of numbers to distribute and to choose a couple focuses. Um, in future, if you choose to bring Ensign Luck into future missions, you will get to progressively add more of the details that eventually make them more of a full character, mechanically speaking. But since this is their first appearance, uh, they don't get as much definition as the player character. What would be some focuses applicable to this? Like, in terms of Tetrion energy and stuff like that, do we have some sort of focus that applies to, like, energy sources? We do know, like, power systems, I think, could be a focus. Something of that nature. Uh, which is something I, I don't have. I could also see, like, subspace mechanics or something like that would make sense. Yep, subspace theory is uh, literally, literally what I have as well. Um, How many focuses do they get? Three as a supporting character. Some kind of repair-related one, maybe? Field repairs, maybe? I like power systems and field repairs. And then what about... Poetry. <laughs> I was going to say spring ball, so at least we're on the same <laughs> same wavelength on something not useful. There's a general focus in water. Do you have warp mechanics on Kai's sheet? Uh, I do not. The closest, uh, the only warp-related thing I have is subspace theory. Okay. Then warp technologies. Sure, that's fine. All right, so everybody meets in the shuttle bay to get aboard the Bobby Flay. I'm not sorry. So do we have, like, sweet, like, uh, department-colored, like, wetsuits we get to wear on this uh, away mission? Uh, sure. I assume you're probably wearing them under your uniform now. Or maybe they're at least in a locker on the shuttle. The aqua shuttle has a bunch of magical one-size-fits-all departmental color wetsuits. Good. Finally, I can get out of this dirty uniform. Uh, so the four of you board the shuttle. I believe Commander Mozafar is theoretically piloting. Although... Uh, Mozafar is in, in command of this away mission, it sounds like, so the orders are yours, Brad. All right, we will let's board, make sure we have our equipment, and who will assist me in navigating? Anybody else is a good navigator? Uh, what would good be? How high is your con? Uh, just decent. I'm just decent. I have a three. Oh, that's good. That's, that's solid. I got lost on my home planet once, <laughs> so... But only the ones, which really is pretty impressive. It was last year, but... Incidentally, you'll take Khan with me, and we will pilot to this platform. Yes, sir.
Welcome to Endeavor Through the Maelstrom. We are a Star Trek Adventures actual play following the deep space mission of the USS Endeavor as it charts a new region of space several decades after the events of Star Trek Picard. I'm Brandon, your GM for this mission. This is Nicole, and I'll be playing Captain Varel. I'm Brad, and I play Commander Razum Mozafar. Hi everybody, I'm Christine, and I will be playing Lieutenant Kai. My name's Leah, and I'm playing Ensign Katarina Everly. The Sinking Star, Part 3. The flag glides easily among the platforms of the swarm. When you're in a shuttle, the number of these things still amounts to pretty large gaps in space, because space is big. It's an aqua shuttle, so it looks kind of like a Starfleet shuttle, but... um, it does have a little more of a boat-like shape. Soon, you see the platform in question up ahead. From above, you can see that it has this contained atmosphere, this uh, large amount of its surface covered in just sort of pristine blue water with just a little bit of visible terrain. Well, let's uh, fly over and see if we can find the best location that's closest to the source of these emissions. Meanwhile, I'd like to uh, do just a little bit of chatting with our the crew that's with us here. Figured we would, uh, as we're flying over, looking for a place to land, to say, I just want to thank all of you for doing such a fantastic job here in our maiden flight. And um, Neverly, of course, did a great job with the uh, tractor beam stabilizing the platform and lieutenant kai your reputation precedes you you've done excellent work so far okay okay it was a good thing gotcha <laughs> and um ensign Locke, i've heard really good things about what you're doing down in engineering well they rely on me there i totally expect you to continue to perform at this top right here on this so let's help these people out i for one won't let you down Specific? Have we uh, located a source of those uh, Dachyon emissions? They seem to be coming from somewhere underwater. Well, let's take it in. Prepare to dive. You engage the Aqua Shuttle's submarine mode, I guess. <laughs> and are able to uh, glide pretty cleanly into the water. Just a just a minor jostle as you go underwater, and then you can see all around you the nice, very clear blue of this of this place. It's actually kind of idyllic, really. You could imagine coming here on vacation if you're the sort that likes beaches and diving. And the captain thought we would never use this aqua shuttle. <laughs> she laughed at me when I insisted we bring it aboard. She said, "You're going to use it once, and that's going to be it." Is this one time? Aboard the ship, Pharrell, like, shudders and is like, Kaisen, <laughs> I know Kaisen right now. <laughs> a school of something like fish pass by the viewport. The shuttle's external lights kick on so that you can kind of see a little bit more clearly ahead of you. And you start to close in on where the sensors are picking up the Tetrion emissions. It looks like a series of underwater caves. If they were once more intentionally constructed shafts or something for 
whatever purpose whoever built this uh wanted it long since been kind of made into a much more um craggy sort of coral formation though there are distinct like areas where there's passages none unfortunately that are large enough to admit the aqua shuttle who wants to go swimming sorry i'm getting a really awesome sea quest vibe <laughs> so i'm wondering if we have some tiny rovers that that they had some probes that we can launch and just sort of get an idea of what these are like since we have an undersea shuttle do we have i assume you have probes aqua probes and maybe that's one of the good things that Locke's good at sure how about somebody launch me an aqua probe let's say that that's a uh reason plus science that's my jam I'm just going to say like it's a one. It's not hard to launch an aqua probe. I made these with a great care, Lieutenant. So please, just just be gentle with them. I'm, I'm just going to launch them on a... I'm just going to set their course, Ensign. I'm not going to go outside and push yet. Brandon, I'm going to give you another threat for a third die. As I continue to try to build up our momentum here. That was a beautiful thing to see. Um, so my reason plus science is uh, is 12 plus 4, so I need to get a uh, below a 16. Uh, I did roll an 18, so that's, that's dead to me. But my other two were a 6 and a 1. Nice. So Ooh. that'll be three successes. So the one we need, um, on the other two, I'm going to hold in limbo for a moment in case I need to ask questions with the probe. Actually, one thing I forgot. It's why I spent the threat. I have bold science. I can reroll the 18. Uh, I forget on the wording on that. With the reroll, do you have to keep it? I don't remember, but I'm, I'm going to say no. Did you roll a 20 again? Okay, then I'm going to stick with the 18 and not the 20 <laughs> <I just rolled. laughs> <laughs> that'll teach Sorry, you <laughs> uh you know i i'm guessing i i was rolling i was playing D earlier i'm guessing i'm just confused about the d20s just needed to warm up they're like okay we can give you 20s now you fire the aqua probe down the largest of the tunnels and pretty quickly you get a just a whole a whole map of the tunnel system for at least a little ways the probe uh can probably maneuver it's not just like fire it in a straight line and then it hits something that's it but it does hit a point where there appears to be at least an air pocket of some kind. It's not entirely submerged. Otherwise, you have you have a map of the of the tunnel system, so you have that as a thing that you have available. Okay, I'm thinking here for a for a question off of the off of the probe. Um, are there any dangers along the way? Did it pick up anything that could be hazardous to a crew member swimming inside? Some of the tunnels are pretty tight, and because they're grown over with a coral-like structure, you know, there's places you could certainly get snagged or, or cut if you're not careful. Seems like the caves are not abnormally unstable by any means, but, you know. And, uh... Or maybe life forms. 
Love a GM. Okay. Second question. Does the probe detect advanced technology in there? Is is there like an access? I guess rather, is there a is the probe detecting any means to access that uh the source of the Tetrion signal? There you go. That's a better question. Yes, it picks up some sort of functional advanced technology in the air pocket. Well, looks like there is there are some things living inside uh inside of these caves commander but i am detecting an air pocket on the other side and access to the machinery of the platform can send some people inside for a closer look excellent let's actually prepare to head out you say that there are some uh, dangers and things go go along the way there are some life forms inside i don't know if they're hazardous to us for all i know it's a pocket of fish or for all i know it's a very big fish i just detected life forms no no further details than that at this time commander all right well let's head out and uh let's take our phasers with us so we set the stun correct ourselves from that and also if we get into any tight situations maybe we can enlarge our pathway through Sounds like a good idea, sir. I would be a little careful about firing within the caves in case of instability. Roger that. And those tight spaces would just be really careful squeezing through then. So, all right. Let's get everyone suited up. Get our path laid out so we can find out what's going on with these tacky emissions. As we have our little montage of people putting on the various like scuba gear and stuff like that. Old Kai is going to do, she's going to put on the, the department colored um, one size fits all wetsuit, you know, make sure she has her boots and stuff off. And this is when uh, we as an audience can see a little bit more clearly in addition to her, her fingers being webbed, her feet while she crams them into kind of a human shaped boot are pretty large and are webbed as well. Uh, a little bit more amphibious in terms of design. And uh, without the color of her uniform, we can see she actually has some gills along her neck. So she's not putting on any additional gear besides grabbing tools and phaser and tricorder and stuff. Uh, so that's also probably a first time in terms of um, of U3 as well. It's not like there's a lot of occasions to go swimming on a starship. Well, uh then Locke will be doing a little bit of rude staring. Is there a problem, Ensign? Uh, no. Sorry, Lieutenant. Just... You're probably at home here, aren't you? Judgy. That's, I guess, one way to put it. I actually didn't grow up in this kind of environment, but I'm a capable swimmer, yes. So when was the last time you did go swimming? Uh, shortly before we departed, uh, Space Dock figured I wanted to get in the water at least one more time before the only water I was likely to see were uh, were made out of photons and force fields. In terms of deep sea ocean swimming, I've actually only done that one other time. You're definitely more experienced than the rest of us then, so if you'll take point on this uh, excursion, if we get into trouble, then you'll be the one that help us out, so... Ensigns, make sure you're paying attention to Lieutenant Kai. The Aqua Shuttle has a uh, hatch, I presume, on the underside that um, you can open up and it has like a a force field that you can pass through 
to go into the water while it keeps the water from like flowing up into the shuttle. So you pop open the hatch and one by one uh, slide down into the water with uh, breathing apparatuses and everything, with the exception of Kai, of course. Do the the things, the scuba things that we're using, do they allow us to talk to each other still, or is it basically like your mouth is for breathing only? I'm gonna say that mouth is breathing only. You start to make your way into the underwater cave system. Uh, With Kai taking point, things are pretty smooth. Um, Kai works her way through being careful to like point out the jagged edges and stuff like that. Let's see. That's when who is in the rear? Who's the last person in the group? That would probably be me. Okay. Because I would have checked everybody on the way out to make sure that their gear was ready and that'd have been the last one out. Totally. And watching everybody to make sure that they're doing okay. Commander Motosfar catches movement out of the corner of his eye, but whirls to find, to, to see a large um, tail of some sort disappear into a side tunnel. All right, so we've got rebreathers in. Our means of communication would be some sort of beeping or something that we have on our... There's also pantomiming, or I imagine we all have lights on us. It might be something like where if you flash your lights or something, that's a signal of like, turn around, see what's going on. That tracks. Of course, the first thing I think is deep sea creatures, lights attracts prey items. <laughs> so yeah, if that's what we have, then I'll flash the lights up there. Stop, turn around. And Mozafar makes... I guess a fish motion (laughs) and points at the holes in the walls. He's pantomiming all this. Question is, have you ever played charades, (laughs) (laughs) Lieutenant Kai? Uh, I'm going to pull out an aqua tricorder because you've put aqua in front of anything and it must be waterproof. Mm -hmm. (laughs) And see if I pick up anything in that direction. Okay, you start to wave your aqua tricorder around. <laughs> I guess we don't know if normal tricorders are watertight or not. <laughs> uh, yes. Yes, there is a large life form nearby. And it seems an adjoining tunnel. It's circling back around towards you, in fact. I'm going to start waving like for people to come towards me. <laughs> And start pointing emphatically the way we were heading. <laughs> All right. Um, mm, mm, mm. Mm. Christine, I don't like that at all. <laughs> give me like a yeah. Give me like a so much threat. presence. I already like where this is going. Yeah, I'm trying to think what discipline pantomiming would be. It's probably still command as communication, right? I guess so. Yeah, sure. Presence command. Okay. Uh, Don't worry, we're touching on the other thing I'm great at. Kai gets eaten by a sea dragon, I'm gonna lose it. (laughs) (laughs) Because my my presence is a seven, my command's a two, so I need to hit a nine or below. Well, you rolled a nine that last time. It was was too high for that test, but it was good for this test. What's the difficulty of this check? Just, Just like a... Just like a... Honestly, actually, you know what... It's going to start at one, but I am going to blow two of my threat 
to add a um in sort of like moving through here uh the group of you has has kicked up enough like silt and stuff in the water that there's some measure of like obstruction to seeing what you're doing clearly so that will make it a difficulty of two okay uh i don't think i have um Unfortunately, I don't think being a member of my nameless species will help me with pantomiming in water. No, like it will help me no, in most other things in water. <laughs> <laughs> so in that case, uh, Brandon, I'm going to give you one of those threats back. By a third die. Okay, I got good news, guys. So one die was an 18. No good. The other two were a six and an eight. Nice. So two Excellent. successes. Okay. Kai manages to uh, pantomime what is very clearly a, um, you know, swim. Big, big animal coming <laughs> swim this way fast. Mm-hmm. About the time that uh, everybody kind of like understands this message, and to be sure, it wasn't a long time. Like Kai, Kai got it down really fast. If, if you'd been playing charades, this would have been a great thing to. to <laughs> it would have been a great go for your team. I'll say um Rena sees down a tunnel some kind of like seal looking thing heading in your direction. It's big. Is it cute? Uh you mainly see its teeth. Cool. <laughs> Quick everybody, let's defeat it with hugs. You, you've got you've got options, I suppose. So what I would like to do is basically treat this as a combat, or at least structured time. Of course, you can choose to use your time to swim away, but um, this will just be a, an opportunity to kind of like see how structured time functions when it comes up. I don't intend to like force combats all that often, but I feel like it's worthwhile to see how this kind of gameplay functions. I'm down. So. This system doesn't really have initiative unless there's a good reason for it. Players start and one of you takes a turn. You can choose who. And then one of your adversaries takes a turn and then one of you takes a turn who hasn't gone this round and back and forth until everybody has taken a turn. Since you outnumber this thing a lot, that means that like several of you will go in a row. On your turn, you can do a minor action, which is like your standard kind of stuff like moving and managing your gear and so forth and so on, and a task, which is things like attacking or meaningfully interacting with stuff in the environment, things that would require roles, basically. You can also buy additional minor actions for momentum. And there's some other combat-specific things that you can do with momentum, but we'll kind of hit those when they come up. So, point being, it is your turn as a group. Uh, so who do you want to take the first action and what would you like that action to be? Are we fighting or, or fleeing? You said it was coming up right below me, right? Because I, I have an idea that might that might work with fleeing. Uh, Kai will be completely useless in fighting. I'm not expecting us to fight here. Okay. Let's try to get out of this as quickly as possible. Okay, Brandon. In that case, I can go in and grab this first slot and I'm already going to go off book. Okay. Essentially, for a minor action, I would like to swim forward. And with my action, uh, I want to look for a 
like a little subsection in the cave or some somewhere where we could fit inside, but this giant seal creature could not. Sure. Some little hidey hole where maybe it'll get bored and move away. I'll actually call that a create an advantage, which uh, is a difficulty too. And I'll say for the thing you're trying to do, I'm going to say it's probably a daring science. Okay. Though I'm happy to hear alternative pitches. I, I love daring and science. I, I literally have a value that's about that. What's my... Di- uh, you said it was difficulty two? Uh, yeah, creating advantage is always difficulty two um, to begin with. And right now, there's still that silty complication, but I think it's probably fine. I don't know that that matters all that much. You've got a tricorder. Okay, then uh, I'm going to go ahead and give you another threat. All right. You don't learn, do you? More sales coming up right behind us. Six more seals. <laughs> it is one of the things I can do with threat. <laughs> uh, I wish I had a recording of this. Did you roll three twenties? What happened? I rolled two ones. Oh, nice. Uh, cool. So I have an eight, a one and a one. So that is going to be five successes. Okay, cool. We finally have momentum again. Yeah, you've got three excess successes. So <laughs> you find a um a, a narrow side passage that you are pretty sure will be too small for this thing to easily fit through um, while still accommodating your away team. What would you like to do with your three momentum? I think I would like to bank those momentum since I think the, the, the way that my compatriots might literally move faster would be potentially with momentum. And then uh, the only other thing I want to do in my turn is essentially I'm going to click my com my combat some and gesture with the lights towards this this hole. I'm not going inside of it yet myself, but I want to point it out to my compatriots. So now retaining the initiative is that something the next person declares or something I declare? I believe that's a thing you do. Yes, that's that's a thing you spend momentum on from this task. Okay, in that case. We're only going to bank one of those momentum. I'll go ahead and spend the 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 two to pass the initiative on to another ally. If I have to select somebody specifically, it's going to be Mosafar. All right. So Kai has spent two momentum to retain the initiative. So one of you gets to go now before the other thing gets its turn. You cannot retain the initiative again consecutively, though. So bear that in mind. Since you said you're passing it on Mosafar, Mosafar points at the two ensigns and is sending them to go. Ensign Everly. I think you're probably the next closest in line, wouldn't you be? Yeah, that's fine. Although, if I'm second, sort of, in in the sense of being behind Kai, does that mean the seal monster is essentially coming up in a way that could split the party? Yeah. It's sort of coming perpendicular at you. Perpendicular to the direction that the group of you was heading. Well, I was waved forward, so that means I should probably just do that. So, should I... My action is to swim. Uh, swimming would be minor. I guess if you want to get uh, safely out of range, probably you would make a roll because you'd be swimming harder and, and doing stuff a little more daringly. Uh, you could, of course, also shoot this thing <laughs> with a phaser. Phasers would work underwater. Our commander said no. He says swim. So I don't, I don't feel like breaking, uh, <laughs> feel like rebelling <laughs> just yet. Although I do think that Rena pull, 
She definitely pulls out her phaser, but she's not going to fire it. But like, she wants it in her hand. No, that's it. That's in hand, but uh, is definitely just swimming as hard as possible towards Kai. I'm going to say, sorry, I'm going to say a fitness plus, um, fitness plus security. Yes. Fitness plus security. I can roll that. And difficulty? I'll say it starts at two, but the side passage uh, asset that Kai created reduces that to one. Hey. So fitness and security, my goal would be 13, so I'm not going to spend if I only have a difficulty of one. Now I'm going to get eaten by a sea dragon. Eight and a nine. Nope. Eight and a six. All right. Great. So you've got two successes, which means you have an excess one, which becomes a momentum. Bank. Sounds good. Instant Everly very quickly swims forward and ducks into the side passage Kai found. Uh, it is a tight squeeze, but you've you've kept up with your fitness regimen and you're ready for this. Now, you could spend momentum to do other things that are minor but don't require rolls, but that's largely things like managing gear and stuff like that. Um, you you could uh, I'm not sure if any of it is actually a useful option actually aim is a minor action which lets you re-roll a die uh, if you shoot something I would like to do that because I think that's fair for I think that I think that makes sense for two people to flank yeah you're you're trying to cover the other away team members that totally makes sense uh huh uh, okay, the seal thing uses a minor action to close the rest of the distance. It sees that, like, the four of you have noticed it. It's not going to totally get the drop on you anymore, so it is just powering down this side tunnel as quick as as possible. It has, like, these enormous tusks. So it's kind of like if you took a seal and a saber-toothed tiger and mashed them together. Cute! Sure. <laughs> it is cute! <laughs> Um, and it is going to just try to chomp on Ensign Locke. Uh-uh. <laughs> Sorry, you are our red shirt, essentially. Look, I'm not wearing red shirt. Gold's the new red. I am going to spend a threat to make this a lethal attack. So in this oh, in this sh- system, to make an attack that is uh, lethal, you ha- I, I would have to spend a threat. You would have to give me a threat. Your phaser is set to stun. You don't have to spend anything to do those attacks. If you switch your phaser over to kill, that increases threat because there's a whole notion of like threat represents the escalation of the situation. And when you start trying to kill things, it escalates. So I'm spending a threat to do that. I'm going to spend another threat to add a die. And this is a melee attack. So it's rolling against your daring plus security. Basically, you are potentially able to, you know, shove it off of you. Please don't get eaten. I'll try not to. I was looking for inspiration onto what Madison Mock would look like, and I was settling on Elijah Wood. So, hopefully not. Daring plus security. So, eight and two, so I gotta, I gotta get ten. Uh, ten or below. Alright, I got an eight and an eighteen, so one success. Mm. 
You are fortunate. I got a bad roll. I only got one success. So, um, ties go to the defender. So this thing, like, powers out of this side tunnel at you, and you're able to sort of... Kick it. Yeah, kick it in the nose. (laughs) which, Which makes it sort of, like, shy backwards a little bit, and it kicks up more of the silt and the passage and stuff, but it it seems to stun it momentarily. So, uh, Mozafar and Ensign Locke. Locke is going to go next, please. <laughs> <laughs> Swim! Gosh. Uh, panic flailing about, can I try to whack it with my giant toolkit that I'm carrying with me? Sure. That's fine. Smack it again. I'm guessing that's definitely another daring security. Yeah, that's the default for melee. And I'm gonna... No, I won't do anything to it. Uh, well, two successes. A four and a two. Are are you sure you're an engineer? (laughs) The creature also gets two successes. So, you, you swat it with your toolkit. It does not seem to care. (laughs) <laughs> yeah, it's, it's, uh, I would then would like to try to run away. Okay. Since you use your task to attack, you can't get quite as far as, like, Rena did, but you can certainly start working your way down the tunnel in that direction. Once he realizes that the, the toolkit's not doing anything, uh, that's the moment of, oh no, time <laughs> to go. And Mozafar. Mozafar is out there. He is going to swim towards... Ensign Locke, and where the attack was, and take out his phaser and try to stun the, uh, I know you said a giant sort of saber-toothed tiger seal, but that just sounds like a walrus to me. This one has claws. This one has claws. Okay, so that's that's what's different. (laughs) He's going to swim towards and try to stun the saber seal. Okay. Um, ranged combat is a control plus security difficulty of two. It's not opposed like melee is. It can't do anything special to avoid what you're doing. I introduced the silty complication earlier. Uh, I'm going to say that's still a problem to buff your target number up to three or your difficulty to three. Yeah, I don't have anything that's really going to give me any extra bonus or dice, so... I'd like to spend one of those momentum to add a dice. How does assistance in combat work? Assistance is one of the things that you can do with your uh, task for your round. Ah, okay. Basically, you you forego rolling dice on your turn to prepare to assist somebody rolling dice on theirs. The end result of this is not necessarily to stun the saber seal. <laughs> But in order to give Ensign Locke enough time to get out of the way and be able to evade. So I'm going through. Okay, we already spent the momentum, so let's see what I get here. So control and security, I need to roll a 13 or lower, I guess. All right. I did got one success, and that was it. All right. You fire your phaser at the thing, but in the sort of amongst the clouds of dirt and stuff in between, you just don't connect as it sort of flips over and comes at you from a different angle. Okay, so round two. 
and you guys get a turn again. Everly is still aiming as Mozafar and Locke are making their way towards the escape path. So we have uh, we have Everly with the aim where she might be able to stun it. I, of course, because I'm always thinking of them, I have a bad idea if all else fails. <laughs> and then what, three of us are outside of the passage right now. So who who wants it first? Aiming gives me some sort of advantage on firing or it means that you can reroll one of your dice when you fire my instinct is to is to go first so that i can take a shot yeah by all means i'd say go ahead so once again the difficulty is uh two for a ranged attack um in a control plus security roll all right uh i'm gonna oh i got a free reroll so i'm just gonna roll the two and control security is 12 Seven of five. All right. Uh, what's your security out of curiosity? Do I get to reroll to see if I can hit a one? Uh, you could. I mean, might as well. It's a free reroll, right? Yeah, for the moment, I'll say you don't have to take it. Uh, I'll check that rule later. No, that's fine. Uh, <laughs> for this adventure, we did yep. that. Uh, but the second time I rolled a ten, so it didn't matter. Okay. My security is a four. All right. So, but that's uh, the two successes you need. So your phaser shot hits the thing solidly so what you will do for damage is you roll uh d6s challenge dice um which are six-sided for what the phaser does if you don't have your phaser damage written down it's seven i assume it's seven it's the number next to the combat looking thing yeah so you roll seven d6 basically all weapon damage in this system is your security number of dice plus some number of dice added by the weapon according to what the weapon is so all right, I got seven d six in my hand. I got the the window that's gonna tell me how to translate the d sixes. Hold on, where is that window? The one useless piece of information I have memorized from this book. Uh, okay. So let's see. I have two fives, which I don't know how to translate challenge dice. Like it says one plus effect, but I don't know what that means. Right, so uh, the two of the sides of the challenge dice count as rolling a one, plus they also allow you to activate special effects that the weapon may have. I see. Okay, cool. So I have two zeros because I rolled a three to four. Rolled two zeros. I rolled two twos. So that's four. One one is five. And two of these boys make seven with two effects. So seven, the number is seven, plus two effects. Nice. Okay, so so you do seven damage to it, which is just reduced from its stress. It has a decent amount because it's a big saber to seal, but that's like a little more than half of its HP, actually. As far as the effects are concerned, since you got two effects, uh, I'm going to say, I think the standard phaser doesn't have built-in stuff, but I'm going to go a little off book and say that as an effect, the blast like sort of forces the creature up against a, a wall of the tunnel, which kind of scratches it up a little bit more and adds a couple more damage to the uh, to the attack. Some weapons have like really specific prescribed things that happen when you get those effects and some don't. So yeah, this thing is... Uh, has been forced back a bit, and and it definitely felt the effect of your phaser. You can tell that much. It is a little more sluggish than it was before. 
Is attacking all I can I can't do anything other than attack, right? Like that's too much of an action to do anything. You else. can do minor actions like aiming, like moving, like managing equipment, things like that. I would I would like to re-aim then. Yep. You can just take aim a second time and prepare for the next next time around. The creature kind of like shakes around a little bit to like try to get out that like weird numbing feeling it's feeling all over its body. And it will come at Mozafar now. Because I think Mozafar is the nearest target. We're going to go lethal on this one too, because I don't want to spend that threat somehow. So, Mozafar, you'll be rolling a Daring plus Security uh, versus me rolling Daring plus Security. So in an opposed test, we both roll and we see who gets the most successes. And I'm going to I'm gonna also spend another threat to add a, sec- add a third die for my roll, rather. I want to spend that threat. All right. Now we'll use one of our momentum. By all means, you don't want to get dead. Please don't die. You're also the guy with medicine. And this away mission. Well, that's not good. Oh, no. Well, that's not good. Well, I have one success, two failure, and one of the failures of 20. Oof. Ugh. Okay. I got two successes. He does manage to get you because he got one success more than you did. I'm going to give Mozafar the complication snagged. Your wetsuit has gotten caught up on a bit of coral or something. So it is going to increase the difficulty of getting out of here by one for just you. Now it is going to roll its damage. Roar all the damage. You've got six damage coming at you. And that is just deducted from your stress. So that's just one line of that stress there. Now, that's also enough to deal an injury. Ah, you're right. Sorry, I'm, I'm, I play above board. Yeah, no, ways. you're right. You're right. Good call. No. So uh, when doing a lethal attack, if you do five or more damage in a single attack, that constitutes an injury. Now, what an injury is, this game does not have... Basically, if you take an injury, you're functionally incapacitated. If you take a second injury, you die. Now, what you are able to do is once per combat per person, you can try to avoid the injury, which is probably what you want to do. Yes, that would be a good idea. And that's two momentum, which is what you've got in the pool. So you would just be spending two momentum to to not get like a big saber seal tooth through your leg. That agreeable to you, uh, Brad? Oh, that's agreeable to me, yes. So Mozafar barely avoids a... A bit of bad news. You still do take the damage. You just don't get the lasting effects. And that is it for the Saber Seal's turn. So, the rest of you get to go. Okay, I'm imagining this is a classic thing here where the commander, in this case, gets injured and his wetsuit gets cut open, right? So the <laughs> the commander ends up having a torn shirt, or in this case, a torn wetsuit, right? It's going to be great as we get into the air pocket. We're just going to have like the, the shot of like you coming up out of the water, like ripping off the last parts yeah. of it that are like kind of stuck. Yeah, that's the idea. <laughs> Look, we, we got to get the ratings, Brad. Yeah, got to Shatner this up. I, I believe that the stun attack from Rena would have constituted a, a possible injury for this thing, but I can buy that off with threat. So I'm going to knock two threat out of there. Get rid of that threat. No more threat. Yeah, combat is like a good way f- to just siphon off a bunch of my threat because there's a lot of ways I can use it. 
how about the two of you who are closer to the saber seal go first? And if it comes down to Kai's turn, then I'm going to um, initiate my emergency plan. Oh, boy. Um, it's, it's a bad idea. <laughs> then it's, yeah, then it's Locke's turn because I went already. I was top of the order. Okay. Uh, Locke is going to look at the cave where Ensign Everly is, look back towards Commander Mozafar, and come to a very personal decision to swim away. All right. Um, <laughs> you, give me a fitness plus security and see if those laps around engineering have done you any good. Two successes. <laughs> good enough for me. Locke. Sw- uh, swims as quickly as they possibly can um, past Everly down the tunnel. Uh, Mozafar? All right. Mozafar is swimming too, swimming away. Now, one of my focuses is evasive maneuvers. <laughs> I buy that. I buy that. <laughs> I mean, that specifically applied to something before, but I mean, it's just one of those natural things where he's... When it comes time to get out of these type of sticky situations, he's going to be able to do unconventional things to get away. Absolutely. You might need it because that snagged complication is going to make the difficulty on this three. And that and this being a fitness plus security. All right. Well, you're out of momentum, but you give me threat. And also don't forget if, if any of your values match up, you could spend a point of determination uh, since you should have one. Well, since I already mentioned it, the uh, ripped wetsuit, since I'm snagged on the uh, coral, you know, uniforms are just sort of regulations and guidelines. There's (laughs) lots of gray areas and rooms to maneuver in that. That... That sounds like a gray area for the definition of that value, but (laughs) I'll allow it. (laughs) (laughs) You threw a giant saber seal at us. What do you want us to do? (laughs) Mozafar considers the metaphorical impact of this circumstance to gain a couple successes. Uh, yeah. So the determination gives you two successes, so you will still need to roll one. But hopefully that's um, much more achievable than rolling three. Yes. Let's find out. Okay. That is a success and a failure. The failure is an 18. The success yes. is a one. Ooh. So that's, so, in fact, two successes. Yes. Evasive maneuvers turned out in my favor here. Yeah. Unconventional way here. Nice. So you've actually got four successes total versus the three. So you've got one extra, which you can bank as a momentum or spend to do something. We'll definitely bank it so we have it. So ripping off the uh, tarp part of his tunic even more, or his wetsuit even more, he gets away and swims into the uh, cave. And I'm going to say, since Rena already made that roll, and so has been kind of like in position to leave while covering everybody else, and I'll say that Kai doesn't need to make the swimming roll since Kai found the tunnel. Do you want to do anything other than leave, Christine, since you're the last person to take a turn? Not since everybody's reaching the side tunnel. The only thing I will uh, will add is a little bit of, of detail. 
is you all would notice, especially pretty obviously underwater here, that as Kai is getting anxious throughout all this uh, scenario, she's actually starting to light up a little bit herself, like a bioluminescent kind of glow. Cool. Nice. Cool. And then she's going to, uh, as soon as Mozafar is there, dash inside, like t- tucking up her legs, and hopefully this thing will pass. <laughs> Behind you, the saber seal, like, smashes against the entryway to the tunnel, but it is clearly just, like, much too large for it. And you're able to get some distance between you and it. You hear it eventually kind of give up. Fortunately, as you come towards the end of this tunnel, you see that it looks like there's a place where you can surface out of the water. Let's go there. Rena gets out first. Her head breaks water, and you're in some sort of... As the probe detected... An air pocket. It seems breathable, even if the air is a little bit stale. And as you each climb out of the water, your presence seems to trip some kind of motion activated something or other, and lights start to turn on throughout this cavern, revealing a series of big, elaborate, and clearly technologically advanced control panels and other devices, unlike anything else you've seen so far. Thank you for listening to this episode of Endeavor Through the Maelstrom. If you like the show, rate, share, and subscribe through your podcast vendor of choice. You can also find us on Twitter as at Endeavor Show. That's E-N-D-E-A-V-O-U-R-S-H-O-W. And you can find me on Twitter at Blue of the Ken. You can find me online at Twelfth Night. That's one, two, T-H, and night with a K. You can find Brandon and me discovering the ways of the Force on Heroes of the Hydean Way, a Star Wars actual play podcast at thehydeanway.com or at thehydeanway on Twitter. And if you like Vikings and Norse mythology, check out another one of my shows, a Dungeons and Dragons 5e Midgard podcast, Omens Call, which can be found at Omens Call Pod on Twitter or at omenscall.com. Thanks for listening, y'all. You can find me on all the socials at Leah617. Usually I'm on Twitter, RT and stuff that makes me laugh. Come say hi there. You can also check out mischiefmedia.com for the other nerdy podcasts that I currently produce or uh, host. And you can find me, Brad, on Twitter at MacinEbedy1. That's M-A-C-H-I-N-E-B-E-D-E number one. My Twitter is at CompleteNictory. You can find other projects I'm involved in at completenight.com. That's C-O-M-P-L-E-T-E-K-N-I-G-H-T dot com. Thanks for listening, and we'll see you out there. Is the guy theory the one you take when you're going to kind of a... a more backwater planet like a dive of some sort really thought you were going to say if you're going to flavor town and i was like hell yeah and then (laughs) (laughs) so when you take on shore leave when you're just going to the place where you hear some klingons make a really mean targ burger oh yes into it that's (laughs) canon